0: Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of Overpowering Emotions. I've talked a lot about how we can respond in helpful ways over the course of all my episodes when we're talking about anxiety and how it shows up. And the first piece is really about, you know, the parents. I've just been getting so many questions from professionals and parents on this topic of emotion regulation. And truly, you've heard me say it before, and I'm going to say it again, how adults respond makes all the difference in the world when it comes to kids' ability to self-regulate and to manage their emotions. Emotions. And this responding piece, it's the hardest skill for us to develop, which is why I keep coming back to it. The more we hear it, the more it's going to sink in, the more opportunities we're going to have to practice it again. So, when we feel anxious, when we feel stressed or frustrated or angry, we can't think properly, right? We need to throw away whatever responses we typically use, especially when we're upset. You know, it could be sarcasm, it could be lecturing, yelling, advice giving, punishing, fixing, problem solving. We're trying to get them to look at you, right? That can just become a whole power struggle. Accept them looking away. That's their way of trying to self-regulate themselves, to calm themselves down. Even babies do that when they're upset. They look away, right? It's a self-soothing. So don't take it personally if they're not looking at you. I hear that all the time. Um, One of the first things that we say to our kids when when we're mad, look at me, right? And and that's that's a problem. We got to remember when the brain's in that high stress state, that amygdala kicks in and it becomes a stop sign for any information. So the brain isn't communicating with itself. And the thinking brain is literally offline. The wa- Wi Fi has gone offline. So we need to think about that, right? And, and so when we see these intense emotions, we're going to see probably impulsivity, loss of behavioral control, rigidity. There's no self-reflection. They can't remember things. They can't take perspectives. They certainly can't see anything that we're trying to rationally tell them. It's not a big deal. They're immune to any rational thought when that thinking brain is offline. They fall into a very reactive response to the fight, flight, or freeze. And literally, they're going to fight or they're going to you know, try to run away or, or freeze. So when they're stressed, kids act out or they zone out. And all of those things that we don't want to have happen end up happening right? Like behavioral outbursts, not looking, saying hurtful things. So we have to really be effective emotion emotion coaches. And I've talked about this all before, but it's so good to hear it again and again and again so that we're mastering it. Oh yeah, it's a good reminder. Oh yeah, this is why these strategies aren't working. When we coach, it's just like when kids learn a sport or an instrument. I've said this before, we can't go out there and play it for them. We can't go up onto the stage and, and do the recital for them. We can't go out onto the field and play for them but we're there to support them and to show confidence in them. So when we're being an effective coach, it's going to help them develop effective self-emotion regulation, self-regulation, all of those things that we're talking about. So right now, if you do nothing else, when they're upset, when they're distressed, when they're angry, just sit with them. Just give them a little bit space for that regulation. As adults, we're always trying to jump in, we're trying to fix things or cheer them up or make them feel better or lecture them, right? And it's only making it worse. We're not, we're not taking away any of the, the hurt and the disappointment and the fear and the anxiety and they're, and they're not listening anyway. It's in one ear and out the other. We need to just let them sit with it. That's where anxiety management comes from. It's that distress tolerance, being able to sit with it and allow them to recognize and express how they're feeling. Right. And then Once they're regulated, we can ask, what are the next steps? So to be effective, though, we really have to understand the functions of emotions. I often see a lot of kiddos diagnosed with things like oppositional defiance disorder, ADHD, right, or conduct disorder. And every single one of those kids, I see not the ADHD, but the ODD, the behavioral diagnoses, I see underlying anxiety. It's the anxiety that's there. It's not the defiance. Those behaviors are a symptom of what's going on for them, the need to protect themselves. That's what's going on. They're anxious kids, not defiant kids. So remember, that's part of the work that we need to do that I've talked about in previous episodes is recognize what's going on. We gotta go upstream to see what's causing these behaviors, not downstream to see what the outcome is. We gotta figure out what's going on for them. And most of the time, they're trying to protect themselves. They're not feeling safe. So we gotta remember, there's no such thing as bad kids. If we only focus on the behavior, we're gonna miss what's happening. Oftentimes our kids are reprimanded because they act out their anger, right? They punch their brother in the face or they kick someone on the playground. What would you do if you actually knew that child was scared and trying to protect themselves? Right? So, if we're going upstream and looking at what contributed to those behaviors, rather than focusing on the outcome, we can respond in way helpful ways. So breaking the emotions down into different parts is really helpful for us adults, because then we can see emotions are so complex, right? And and that can really help us understand why we react the way we do. It's just like the example that I give. If you hit your head on the cabinets, you're like, ah, shoot, right? You swear and you get angry. It's the pain response. The pain part of our brain is triggered. We respond it with aggression. So until we understand all the functions of the emotions, it's going to be hard for us to respond in helpful ways. And it's going to be really hard for us and for them to react differently. And we can't expect them to react differently until we're changing our ways. So for example, we might have a kiddo who shows a lot of of anger, right? And experiences a lot of anger. So let's say Johnny's friend comes over, they're having a play date and Johnny's friend, Bobby cheats at Monopoly. So when you go through the steps of validating and labeling and deepening the conversation as an effective emotion coach, you're going to find, yes, the outcome is the anger, but the anger is secondary to the underlying emotions, which is usually fear. Fear is the primary emotion that's usually manifested as anger. So there could be underlying fear that I need to win to keep my friends so they don't think I'm a loser. You know, I need to win. So that people like me, so people think, you know, it it could be, there's so many different examples that we could, we could think of, or that, that mom won't be disappointed in me, right? So we've got to be able to break it down. And if we dig down, we see there's a lot of other emotions that often come up anger again might seem like the strongest, but it's the secondary to a whole host of other things. It's it's not just the vulnerability or the fear. Oftentimes we see the aggressive behavior because of uncomfortable feelings. Maybe I'm embarrassed and I don't want you to see that embarrassment. And so it's coming out as anger. That's a key symptom of social anxiety is embarrassment. So it's way better to be aggressive, right? Than to make ourselves vulnerable, to show how embarrassed or shameful we feel. So once we understand that function of the emotion or what it serves, You can respond in better ways so you can have kids then better identify how to get their needs met if they're feeling embarrassed that they've lost or the shame that they've lost. So again, the awareness of what's going on for the child, but also awareness for what's going on for you, your own feelings. That's always first. If you're feeling frustrated, you're going to respond in a frustrated way. If your kiddo has just come home hurt and upset because they got into a fight at school, you got to keep your own anger in check. Even if they were suspended from school, they've already been reprimanded. We have to show our kids we are on their team. And if we are just yelling at them, just like the teachers, we're on the teacher's team, right? They're still hurt there. There's a hurt child in need of that emotion coach. Or if your kiddo's stressed out because they failed a test, you got to keep your own frustration in control. They're upset too. Lecturing them that they should have studied is not going to be helpful. Now they're just going to be angry at you and they're going to divert all of that energy towards you. So recognizing these times of stress, it's a great opportunity first to connect, right? Teaching doesn't have to come until later on, if at all. The first goal is always connect. First, actually, is being like, yes, this is an opportunity for me to work on my self-regulation skills, right? So that's the focus of today's episode, to ensure that you've connected. To connect, you need to listen with empathy. You need to validate their feelings. They need to feel that they've been heard. And they feel heard when we can provide an empathetic response. When our kids don't need to worry about how we're going to react, if they're going to be like, oh, I hate your advice, or... I'm scared that you're going to lecture me or whatever it is, when they don't have to worry about how we're going to react, that, they, that you're just always that safe space, they can express their worries way easier. And that's a first critical step when we're looking at emotion regulation, it's emotional literacy, being able to identify and express how I feel. So I really want to focus on the listening piece, because if you take nothing else away about being an emotion coach, that's definitely the most important point. I know most adults do listen, and I know all of you understand your kiddos, but the secret is to ensure that they feel heard. They feel understood. I often ask parents, ask your kiddos on a scale of one to 10, how much do you feel I listen to you? How much do you feel I understand you? 10 being, yes, you listen all the time. You totally get me, understand me. One, not at all. You never listen. You don't get it. Because otherwise, if they don't feel like you understand, they're going to hold on to that anger, they're going to hold on to their anxiety, they're going to hold on to that resentment, whatever they're feeling, even tighter. So that's really important. To do this, you have to give your kiddos your full attention. You have to listen to what's going on for them, reflecting back what you hear so they know that you completely understand, you're completely listening to them. You understand what they're feeling and what their experience is. That reflection is so helpful to ensure you're on the same page with them, but it also helps them process their emotions. You know you're reflecting back when you use an adjective. Okay, so this is the key secret to to effective listening. You're using an adjective. Oh man, that's so disappointing. You failed your test. Oh man, disappointing is the adjective. Oh, that sucks. Sucks is the adjective, right? You know, you're doing this right when you say an adjective and then stop silence. You're not adding adding anything else. Well, that's really disappointing mm-hmm. that you failed. You should have studied, right? That's not going to be helpful. Just stop adding anything else. It's going to completely minimize what they just said and completely undo your listening. And they're going to feel that, they, that you aren't listening and don't understand them again. So remember when we listen, we're fully present. We, we are respectful, even if they're not being respectful to us. We don't share any of our own agenda. This is not the time. Later on, maybe, if it needs to be, ha- if you know, we need to share a piece, but right now, no. Um, we adults really minimize our kids' feelings and say things like, it's not a big deal, don't worry about it. But to them in the moment, it really is a big deal. Their brain can't tell the difference between getting eaten by a tiger and me failing a test or me not studying enough for a test. I don't even know what the outcome is yet brain can't tell the difference their physiological system it's going to ring it's going to react the exact same way everything is going to be a big deal in the moment and trying to tell them it's not going to go in because the wi-fi is off it's offline right so when we minimize their feelings or say it's no big deal don't worry about it we're sending the message that how they feel is wrong, first of all. So that's just gonna put us back with the whole emotion regulation piece because they're not able to recognize their emotions. They might get confused. Or again, they're gonna feel that we weren't listening or don't wanna listen or don't wanna know how they're feeling. So we're sending the message too that they should suppress their emotions. Don't feel that way, it's bad. Doesn't matter, right? No, all of these emotions are part of being human, right? And if we're trying to suppress, that doesn't work anyways. Don't think of a white elephant. Whatever you do, don't think of a white elephant. We're always going to, right? They're going to try to suppress their own emotions, but they're also going to start dismissing others' emotions. They're going to, you know, show, they're going to be apathetic. They're not going to show any empathy. So we always want to make sure that we're acknowledging the perspective. And we can do that, you know, show that we're listening by providing an adjective. And it's not about agreeing with them. You're simply letting them know that you understand their perspective and that they feel like you are listening and understand why they punch their brother in the face right we don't need to say that often oh man that sucks that your brother did that but you don't punch your brother in the face right we always throw that little bit in oh kiddo that's so frustrating that your brother did that i can see why you were so angry (sighs) stop right Frustrating is the adjective. I can see why you're so angry. So that's what we need to focus on, right? And notice I didn't go into the but or behavior was unacceptable. They already know that. That's something you can address later on. Later on, when everybody's calling, hey, but let's come back to this. How do you think you handled that situation? What do you think you could do differently? What do you think the retribution is here? What's the consequence? You can have that conversation later, but not in the heat of the moment. So the words are important that we say, but our nonverbal communication is important too. A lot of time, I don't even need to use words. Just my facial expression and body language is enough. Just my presence is enough. That's all we need. Ah, oh, crappy. There's my adjective, right? That's all I need. When we focus on connection, we're working on creating safety. And that's what we're doing with our words and our nonverbals as well. Safety is so critical for that amygdala to calm down right? And even if it doesn't calm down, we are still creating that space. And we do that through validating, through acknowledging how they feel, how they perceive the situation, because they're going to perceive it very differently from us, especially if they're upset, they're immune to any rational thinking. So we got to think about that. So if you can master the connection and the empathy piece, that's going to make all the difference in the world. And often there isn't much more that we need to do, but effectively labeling their emotions with words, that's helpful. Just by expressing our stress helps reduce the physical arousal that stress causes, which, of course, is going to help regulate us and for them, right? But we have to remain calm. That's our goal, to remain calm, not to escalate the situation at all. And it's really important to note you know, that whatever's going on for our kids, we don't need to take it personally. Oftentimes, they will say things, you are the worst parent ever. Why was I born into this family? They're going to say very hurtful things. Right. So even if they're saying things like you're the worst parent ever, you stress them out, you need to remember it's not about you. Your kids, they're they are all connected and tied into this one big, huge, awful knot of emotion. And it's really hard to disentangle from that. And we don't want to contribute to it worse, right? So we got to make sure we're not taking it personally. Instead, again, look at it as a great opportunity to practice your emotion regulation and your emotion coaching skills. Yes, big emotional stress tantrum. Thank you, Bobby. Thank you for telling me I'm the worst parent ever. This is a great opportunity for me to practice not taking it personally practice my emotion coaching skills, practice my co-regulation. Don't say that out loud, obviously, right? But, but doing so for yourself, that can be really important. That alone can help diffuse the situation. And that's what we wanna do. Maintain the calm, maintain the balance. So take this up an opportunity for you to co-regulate, but also to do the process yourself. Notice what's going on in your body, what emotions are coming up, what, you know, maybe you're feeling annoyed, you know, and you want your kids to be quiet or you want them to be respectful. Being able to pay attention to those things is gonna be really important. So when we communicate effectively, focus on your goal, which should always be first to connect, keep the waters calm, I have some uh, tips on effective communication that I'll put in the show notes for you so you can focus on this skill this week. It's all about connection and listening, okay? So for this week, practice. Practice using an adjective. That's gonna help you reflect to your kids when they're upset and let them know, I am listening and I understand. So in, in with those tips, I've got a little communication journal in the show notes too. So you can use that to write down and track. What did they say? What did I say? was there a, but in there, oh man, that's disappointing. You didn't study, but, or sorry, it's disappointing that you failed, but you probably should have studied, right? Are you doing that? are you falling into some communication traps? Right? So you can look at what are you falling into? What can you tweak to do a little bit better every single day? Reflecting at the end of the day and identifying one small thing you can do a little bit better tomorrow is going to help you. It's going to help you build these skills. And that's what the summer series is all about, is skill building, emotion regulation. And the first part of it is going to be all the co-regulation. And so each week, I'm going to give you a strategy, just like this week, using an adjective to respond to your children short and sweet thank you for joining me today Um, if you are a mental health professional or a teacher I have a group uh, individual consultation opportunities we can chat about how to support kiddos with anxiety and emotion regulation it's stopping through the summer but I'm going to be starting it back up again in the fall so definitely get on my wait list for that of course I have my anxiety mastery compass training which goes all the time so that's good for all big emotions even though it's called anxiety it's good for all emotion regulation Um, So you can definitely check that out as well and, and look at how you can work effectively with me. I also have a program for parents. So goodbye for today. Help those anxious kiddos be bold and courageous. And I will see you next week where we'll continue our journey on skill building. Take care.